and it literally was a table like we're sitting at here and a kitchen table and my goalie, my left wing, right defenseman, all threw a hundred dollars, literally threw a hundred dollars on the table. It looked like we were playing poker and, and um they looked at me and said, You're a CPA, figure out how to be a five one C three and we then literally put a tournament on three months later. And it was uh that first tournament, believe it or not, raised twenty four thousand and wow. it had some things in it were amazing. Like today I don't even know what it would go for, but we had a game used signed Alex Ovechkin helmet in that. Like wow. really amazing stuff happened right off the bat, like right off the bat. And we we were able to help three families at that and um that dog ball has just grown and grown and grown and as far as now it's it's really too big we we have to cap it pretty early and it'll sell out within a couple of days and this year um we thought originally boy if this thing made a hundred thousand dollars it'd be pretty amazing and um and last year we thought boy it can't be much better than that and it did two hundred twenty five thousand. Welcome to episode 67 of People Are the Answer. I truly believe that people are the only answer to the world's many problems. I'm Jeffrey M. Zucker, a serial entrepreneur, here to learn how innovators are creating outsized transformational social impact and to shine a light on all the good happening in a world often hyper-focused on the negative. Today's episode features my friend Martin Richardson, founder and president of Dog Nation Hockey Foundation, which serves to help the hockey community help members in need. The organization was founded in 2011, and the frequency at which I've seen recipients of their help later come back to volunteer says a lot about what a special group they are. Marty and I discuss his career as a controller and CPA, how Dog Nation started, what led him to dedicate himself to the org full-time five years ago, his college soccer career, building an accessible ice rink, and much more. We even dig into my own passion for hockey, its influence on my life, and my ongoing work with his organization. Today's episode is also our first in-person video recording, so check it out on YouTube if you're interested in seeing it. Here is Martin Richardson on People Are the Answer. Marty, thanks so much for joining me on People Are the Answer. This is our first in-person video recording, so thank you for being the guinea pig. Yeah, it's quite an honor. I can't believe it that you choose me to, to be the first guy out here, so thank you. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, obviously we know each other well, uh, met through the hockey community within the last few years, and um, you know, so let's start off, though, by helping the audience get to know you. Uh, you know, who are you, where are you based, and what's your current role? Yeah, so... Um, I got lots of current roles, but yeah. uh, yeah, grew up here in Colorado and was a soccer player, really not, not a, a hockey guy. Loved, loved hockey. It was my favorite sport, but it was out of our price range for my family. And, um, and I was a good enough soccer player to end up playing college soccer and a little semi-pro after that, but um, uh, paid for my schooling, which was pretty cool. But at the, at the end of the day, um, I always had this burning passion for hockey, and I uh, went to school for, account, uh, for accounting and ended up being, becoming a CPA, working the corporate slug role there, and, and um, started playing beer league hockey like, like you do. Yeah. And so that turned into this crazy thing called Dog Nation Hockey Foundation, which we're going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah, no, excited to dig in. So, you know, you currently are operating as the, the president, right, of Dog yeah. Nation? yeah. They call all kinds of roles, Cappy, the dog father, the president, the CEO, the founder. Yep. But um, they all work. Yeah, lots of fun ones. And we'll definitely dig deeper into Dog Nation specifically. But what would you say generally motivates you in life? Oh, my goodness. I think the biggest thing for me um, is being able to help those that need help. I mean, I just get off on it. Like when I am sitting with someone when they're in their kind of their darkest um, most difficult times and with this group that we we built like and it's we there's literally hundreds if not thousands of people including yourself that have built this thing where we can literally go and and change lives and and when you especially the main thing is that the money is one thing but when people realize that there's people behind them and they're not alone you just watch that weight come off of their shoulders and and they'll fight harder and they'll not always win but it it creates these incredible incredible moments and they're honestly priceless so uh where did you grow up and what was that like yeah uh, so 
a lot of people know this, but not all. Um, I was actually born in England, and um, my mother's kind of a crazy story too. She, uh, she was both my parents were born during World War II, one in England, one in Germany, and I know you know this story because you have similar backgrounds to me in that. We talked about this early on, but my mother actually um, grew up in communism, was a tremendous athlete herself, but her her parents were kind of against the Communist Party, which was basically a death blow for her. So. At age 18, she couldn't tell her parents, but she escaped East Germany. It was a couple of years before the Berlin Wall went up and ended up ending in England and met my dad, and which was kind of a little bit taboo with, with a German person marrying an English person at that time period. And um, had two boys over in England, my brother and myself, and uh, my dad figured a better place for us to live was in North America. And so moved first to Canada, to Victoria, and then ended up in the States first in, in San Diego and then in Denver. And, um, but I really call Colorado my home because I moved here when I was only six years old and, and really all of my schooling, um, my university, all of my jobs, I've never lived anywhere else adult-wise. Uh, been places, of course, but never lived anywhere but, but Colorado. So I consider that's, that's who I am. That's where it kind of came from. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And so you, you got to Colorado, where we are now, and uh, around age six, uh, I believe you grew up in Golden mostly? Yeah, yeah. And what was childhood like here? Yeah, so we were, we were definitely a blue-collar family, kind of on the lower-income side. My we typical European family, where the mother stayed home and the dad worked, and worked construction as a pipe fitter, so money was never in abundance in our household, but um, uh, love was, and so... Uh, me and my two brothers had an amazing, great childhood. With uh, it, back in the day, where you, you know you you were kicked out of your house when the sun came up, and you were home when the sun went down, and, yeah. and kind of figured that. So for me, that was a magical childhood. Childhood, and I still have some of the kids that I grew up with in that on that same street. I still know today, and they're even clients of mine. Yeah. believe it or not. Yeah, it's that- pretty cool. That is awesome, and I love to hear that. Definitely seems like a good place to grow up. Yeah. Hope to raise my kids here. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I talk to people that spend most of their day giving back, you know, I wonder back to childhood, was there any experience that sort of set that example of giving back for you? Yeah, I know you asked me. Yeah, I was reading over the stuff, and I thought, boy, was there? There really wasn't. I just, I don't know why I just have always wanted to help others and I don't remember this at all but my mother tells me when I was a little kid the she was she would go out there and the bus would come and all the kids the bus stop was near our house and 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 uh she remembered a time when all the kids ran to the bus and one little kid fell and the kids would all race who got the best seat on the bus and I was always one of the fast kids so I was one and um but he said a little boy fell and started to cry and and she said you stopped and you were the only one and you went back and you helped that little boy up and then you you wiped his tears and you held his hand and you walked him to the bus and she said I knew right then that that was something that was inside of you that isn't other kids and I don't think it, I think it was just God given to me that that it's it's something I didn't it's something I didn't develop or anything it was just inside of me to to help others yeah no that's I definitely think that's the case for a lot of people is that you know it's inside them many people had examples growing up you know some are, are various mixes of those things but uh, yeah I really appreciate that I think that story sort of exemplifies what you're up to these days and we're, we're gonna get there shortly but first uh, you mentioned playing college soccer you went to uh, Metropolitan State University here in Denver um, you know what was that experience like so um Metro's really good soccer program back then, and um, it was I my senior year in high school. I was recruited by a few places, and um, but I broke my shoulder in my very first high school game of my senior year, so I missed almost the whole season, and um, really should have missed the whole season. But I lied to the coaches and said that the doctors gave me clearance when they didn't, and did get to still play a little bit at the end of the season. But by then. The calls had stopped. It was a lot different than, than it is today, and and um, I was really hoping to. My goal, my dream was to go to DU, and because they had the hockey program there, and I'm like, oh, I'll be a soccer player and get to know all these hockey players and be 
really fun. And um, so lo and behold, um, my dad phoned up Metro, and they were a really, really good team, and said, he uh, called the coach, and he said, well, I'll give him a tryout, no guarantees. And I remember going out on that very first day, there were 120 guys those that wasn't the guys already on the team that was just the tryouts and i was looking around i'm like that guy was all state at alameda that guy over there was a cherry creek call stater and i'm thinking i have no chance out here and and each day they would cut cut it down and cut it down and cut it down and lo and behold after two weeks i was still standing and i remember i was really small i was only probably 115 120 pounds and um i'm they had me go up one-on-one against in a drill against their all-american sweeper and i smoked him over and over and over again and he was really mad and and i but i overheard i was in earshot of the coach one of the coaches that not and the, the assistant coach who ended up being my head coach eventually um said to the head coach that little guy's really good but he's too small ever to play college soccer and so that motivated me not to just go prove him wrong, but I knew I had to kind of change things and hit the weights and did some things and ended up um, playing four years there yeah. and even Hall of Famer. So it was a pretty pretty cool experience for me and yeah. one that really changed my life. It yeah. allowed me to gain a lot of confidence to play. And, and really, by the way, during that time period, uh, we beat you as many times as we lost to him. Nice. So that was cool too. That must have felt good. And yeah. Um, what an experience to be able to play, you know, major college sport like that. I'm sure it really helped build a foundation for you as you, you know, eventually left school. Um, your Hall of Fame at Met State uh, career is pretty incredible. And from there, though, what I know you got your, your bachelor's uh, in accounting. Mm-hmm. And then you spent about the first decade of your career in uh, a couple different controller roles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I started off kind of bounced around and, and to get your CPA, you have to work one year of public slave labor accounting. <laughs> so I did that and then uh, went into uh, just the private industry and worked for Georgia Pacific and then, then a company called J.D. Edwards, which eventually became my Oracle role because it was through buyouts. But uh, so I spent the vast majority of my career in the software industry. Yeah. And, and um, uh, those were those were fun roles. It's a controller of a, uh, you're almost, they're regional and you kind of ran that region of the country and and you're really running a business with the president. And so our yeah. offices would be right next to each other. And, and those guys that are that I did that with, I'm still really good friends with them yeah. to this day because we were had to be super tight when you're in those roles. But yeah, yeah. those were great. Those were good times. Yeah, long hours working a lot together. And mm-hmm. you mentioned the company uh, was purchased by Oracle, and you became you know finance director at Oracle, mm-hmm. uh, I believe for 14 years. Yeah, yeah, that was really kind of the end of it for there. And it was um, uh, during that time period. That was a much bigger company. I would say I enjoyed it, but it wasn't the controller roles where you had a little bit more say and a little bit more were more fun. And those kind of shaped me a little bit more because uh, we used to do road shows and that's kind of a lot of public speaking, which I do now. Those were really kind of shaped. I was actually, people laugh when I tell them that, but I was terrified to public speak. And Fred Gawant, who was, who was the president of that region and I was, I was the controller, he would force me to do it. He came from like a a theater background and he's like let's go do this it's gonna be so fun and we would go to to dallas and seattle and san francisco and la and denver and and in the end i got to the point where i was like really get excited to get to do these because we would make them fun and silly and different things and and i i like people would cheer and i'd get off on it and stuff so it was uh those were actually more fun the oracle one was a little bit more of a i mean it's such a large large company and you're just this little piece of a giant giant thing so i didn't really have the passion there but it it was still i mean it was a very good job yeah don't get me wrong well in as we know you know you had about seven years crossover from when you started dog nation to when you eventually decided to leave oracle um, and you now, you know, are the president, CEO of Dog Nation, uh, Dog Nation Hockey Foundation, a 501c3, uh, started in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for those listening, what is Dog Nation? So, uh, really, was uh, started back with that beer league hockey team, and um, we had tragedy on our team and, and challenges health-wise, where three of our 15 players all were diagnosed with cancer all at the same time, and 
and I, I was captain of the team and I would take my literally and figuratively take my hat off and pass it around the room and we would go see one of those players in the hospital and and it wasn't that we gave Danny or Dave or or Andy $250 it was the fact that they had someone that that cared for them and and uh, that was uh, that was really the the beginnings of it and and then we incredibly on that same team in that same year um, a fourth guy got sick and we thought boy another guy with cancer but it wasn't it was an autoimmune disease and that guy was really that changed my life because it was really me um, Jack was a college soccer player not a hockey player I was a college soccer player not a hockey player Jack coached kids soccer I coached kids soccer Jack had three daughters, no sons. I have three daughters, no sons. And Jack was a financial guy for Merrill Lynch, and I was a, a finance director. So it was literally when Jack got sick, it was looking in the mirror for me because he seemed like he had everything. He was the most matching to me. And when uh, six months after he was diagnosed, he passed and changed my life because I told those three girls that I want to do something in your dad's honor. I don't know what it is, but I want to do something and honor Jack at the same time as like serve this burning passion inside of me to help others. And never did I think it would become this, yeah. but it did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that story's always been moving to me. The, you know, playing on hockey teams myself, just mm -hmm. imagining one guy getting a serious illness yeah. is, is tough yeah. to imagine, but to have not only three initially and then a fourth, um, it's just, it's really mind boggling. And, you know, I've always saw, seen Dog Nation as the hockey community helping the hockey community in need. Mm -hmm. You know, hockey families helping people in hockey. And, you know, hockey in general is just, it's a, it's a very communal thing. I mean, maybe even more so than other sports. Like, it's just such a tight community, a small world. And for me, it certainly has brought a lot of joy to my life. I've met some of my best friends through hockey. And it, it is an escape to be out on the ice and, yeah. you know, get a break from life. And so... Just the idea of having this organization molded around that is, has always really excited me. And I you know, love how you've been able to leverage that deep community of hockey and turn it into really, truly helping people. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's cool, right? I mean, you, you and I both have seen it anyway. Yeah. And then it's really just harnessed something that was already there. Yeah. Is all it really is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, um, you know, you've long helped many people. Let's actually, first, let's talk about... Why is it called Dog Nation? <laughs> yeah, you, you'll like that because, um, and I know, I'm pretty sure you know the story, but it's a, well, I broke off and I wanted to make my own team. Uh, I was on a, another beer league team. I can't remember the name of the team, but um, I, I was like, I really, it was not that great of a team and it was just kind of there and I thought I want to kind of do something on my own. And, and at the exact same time a rink was being built literally outside my bedroom window. And I thought, so I went over there when it was in construction, came in and I was the first team to sign up. What's your team name? I don't know. So I just put it down my name. And so then I went on Craigslist and started looking for uniforms because I thought, well, I don't know how long this team's going to last and stuff. So I found a set of used uniforms with a bulldog on them. And I thought, well, let's just buy those. So we became the junkyard dogs at that point. And, um, and we kind of dropped the junkyard part and, and just kept the dogs. But the original team was because I'm a CPA and cheap and didn't want to spend a lot of money on jerseys. So in the it. end, uh, uh, we kind of kept that, that theme going of like, if we can get it for free, let's do it. Because that means we can help a lot more people. Yeah, and that's and well, we, well, we still do. You know that because you're involved in us. Yeah, I mean that's a foundational belief that you guys yeah. push in Dog Nation. You may as well be efficient with your dollars because then you're going to be able to help people more. So I yeah. definitely appreciate that. And anybody looking to donate can certainly appreciate that, knowing that every yeah. dollar is going to good use. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's kind of where the name came from, and uh, it kind of grew to dot dogs and then dog nation and now yeah. there's all kinds of other dogs teams yeah. out there including one that you're on yeah i'm on the, the neighborhood dogs and i know i've met salty dogs and old dogs and yeah i'm sure there's other ones as well yeah there are <laughs> top dogs especially oh yeah the top dogs and, and we'll get to them for sure so uh you started dog nation in 2011 yeah um so we're about 12 years in 
really, really incredible. Um, from the numbers that I had, you can update them if, if necessary, yeah. but you've given over $4 million yeah. in direct aid to families in need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're uh, spot on on that. It, I just pulled that this morning and it's about uh, 4.25 now as of the last dog bowl that just happened a couple weeks ago. Thank you. And, and um, can't do that without volunteers and sponsors and participants and yeah. everyone else. You come to our events and it's almost mind-blowing right. right when you walk in and you're just like oh my goodness and and all the like the auction stuff where the entire thing is donated from nhl players or organizations or local businesses and and that gets turned into dollars throughout the throughout the weekend and um so so yeah it's 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 kind of mind-blowing when you step back and you think 4.2 million dollars big number and um and so and it, it right now that's really ramped in the last few years. Last year was about nine hundred thousand, and um, we're probably on right on par for that again this year. Yeah, that's really exciting. I mean, incredible not only the people that you've helped, but the organization you've built. And one of the things I always love seeing is the people that you help end up coming back to volunteer, mm -hmm. which to me just speaks the largest volumes of the organization and. Yeah. Um, just to share with viewers, I'd love for them to understand some of the people that you've helped, the types of situations. Maybe you could tell them about uh, Cody Beekman to start. Yeah. yeah, Cody was one of our very first recipients. He was a young man. People didn't really know who Dog Nation was at the time. And, and Cody was uh, was going to school up in northern Colorado at Greeley and um, uh, had a few drinks on, on um, this was in 2011. It was the year we started and it was... Um, Halloween night and he did what every parent wishes their kid would do and and chose to not drive and called his uh, buddy and said come pick me up we'll get my car tomorrow and and Cody got in the car buckled up just like he'd want him to and um, and they made it all of two blocks and were broadsided ironically by a drunk driver and Cody was basically quadriplegic after that and I I didn't know Cody I didn't know anything about him and met him uh, in January at Craig Hospital a few months after that and and uh, got to know him a little bit and then knocked on or talked to his parents and and this is kind of doing that whole same thing of like we could take all this money and just pay for these companies to redo this guy's house because I looked at it the first time I met him and they were two overwhelmed parents going oh yeah we're gonna uh, Cody's home in two weeks and I'm like Cody can't even get in the door never mind go to the bathroom or anything and so my mind started spinning and I through through tax clients of mine and just networking I we were able to do that entire house with concrete pads and ramps two different ramps and uh, hardwood floors and literally redid it put a bath bathroom where there was no bathroom before because it was a tri-level so hard to get around this house and all of that happened in two days by and it was 34 people that were some of us like me not knowing what we were doing and and but we pair ourselves as i mentioned earlier my dad was a construction guy so our team was me and my dad and our role was to widen doors and it was a tricky job like it was a good thing i wasn't doing it because i would have the house would have fallen down because we literally had to move the weight bearing wall well my dad was able to do that and and get to do that with them and it was something I got to do with my dad so really cool opportunities but that's Cody and Cody now he goes to Metro State he has his own podcast and I mean he has ups and down days don't get me wrong yeah. but it's uh he's still part of the nation so that's cool well we'll make sure to link to Cody's podcast yeah and, um would love for people to check that out and I just the really cool aspect of that, I mean, obviously horrible what happened to him, but just to mm -hmm. see everybody come together and sort of that same team energy that you have in the ice, that, that you have in the locker room, uh, coming to someone's house and, and helping make it accessible for them. Yeah. So um, that one's All always... All at no cost, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that one's always been really moving to me. I mean, you, you have so many families that you've helped, but another one that's, you know, certainly was moving as I was getting engaged with Dog Nation uh, is the story of Dave Rapture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Dave was... a. Uh, um, he was a flight for life nurse and and uh, flight, those are amazing people to start with and um, on July 3rd 2015 uh, he was in a helicopter crash uh, at uh, St. Anthony's in Summit County and went um, really just up 
30, 50 feet in the air and at the hospital, came crashing down and was burned over 90% of his body. And um, literally no one had ever survived, at least in the state of Colorado, that severity of burns ever. And somehow, some way, Dave battled through 18 months in the hospital and walked out after 18 months. And, and um, incredible story. And now Dave has taken his second lease on life and he actually saved the sport of hockey in Grand Junction and bought the rink in Grand Junction. Yeah. Like, so there wouldn't even be hockey there if there wasn't a helicopter accident on July 3rd, 2015 that dominoed effect and created this. And Dave and Amanda are dear friends of mine that I talk to all the time, huge supporters of Dog Nation at all our events and yeah. and and sponsoring almost every single one of them. Yeah. And, and have been able to pay for pay for it and change a lot of lives. Yeah, I mean, what what a powerful story, and um, it's been rewarding to get to spend some time myself with Dave and Amanda, mm -hmm. and just to see the mindset that they were able to have, and you know what Dog Nation was able to do in terms of raising the money so that they could yeah. spend all the time on his recovery that they needed to. Mm -hmm. I just think was unbelievable, and um, definitely something that's kept me going and kept me involved and. Um, you know, the hockey community is always playing a role. If you're enjoying this episode, I would greatly appreciate if you could review, like, comment, or subscribe on your favorite platforms. Your engaged support goes a long way in helping the show grow and getting our impactful guests heard. Now back to the show. Uh, let's talk about, you know, if someone is in need of help, you know, who qualifies, what do they do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, usually what, like this started in a beer league locker room, so our original um, we, we've kind of morphed a little bit, but and it, but it's pretty much stayed to those roots. Typically, a teammate would nominate another teammate, and and rather than themselves. And um, and our checks quite often, even today, it's hard to surprise people. But they were designed, and the, but they still we've had we probably had our biggest surprise ever two weeks ago, and um, and it was so we still pull them off, and but the the whole idea is that people go onto our site and. And uh, there's a tab called Apply for Assistance, and they they tell the story, and they, they fill out as much as they can, and we have a, uh, a recipient committee that meets uh, every couple of weeks, and, and they review all the, the um, uh, applications that have come in, on average, two to four a week. So quite a few of those are coming in, and they'll review those. and and try and gather as much information as possible and maybe some phone calls back, but it'll get assigned to someone. And then like if you were on that committee, you would then be assigned to talk to this team, guy's teammate and find out what was in. And then, then the fun part of coming up with a really cool idea on how to yeah. present a check. So that's yeah. kind of how it's done. And despite you know starting in the Denver area, you've now helped people all over the country, mm -hmm. uh, in Canada as well. Yeah. Um, and first, Let's talk a little bit about the Humboldt Broncos. You know, for those listening that aren't aware, there was a tragic bus accident years ago. I don't know if you have the specifics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was April 6, 2018. And um, they were in the playoffs for the SJHL, which stands for the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. And um, uh, down three games to one and on, on the road and, and heading up. And kids had all dyed their hair and stuff, and they were ready to go. And, and uh, the bus was hit by a semi that ran a stop sign. and. Of the 29 people on board, 16 perished, um, and of the 13 survivors, two uh, were paralyzed, and two more had massive brain injuries. And everybody, obviously, on the bus had suffered from PTSD and different things like that. And and um, since that accident, that really hit me very hard, and I hit the whole community, hockey community, worldwide hockey community, hard. But what's really interesting was a player that played on our top dogs, lived in Calgary, and was the coach of one of the kids that was paralyzed. That's how small a world this yeah. is. And, and two weeks after the accident happened, um, that young man named Ryan Straczynski said his, his hockey career wasn't over, he was gonna become a sled player. That story came out when I was at the Disabled Fest watching sled hockey. And so that, the, the guy Drew Coles called me from up in in Calgary and he was sent to the hospital and told me this story and I was able to get the US national team players to all sign a stick one of them donated his stick that he used in the Olympics and 
and they sent it to Ryan and said, don't give up. And we, I wrote a handwritten note in there and a picture, or sent a hat, a Dognation hat, and really didn't expect to hear back. And next thing I know, he had posted on social media him wearing a dog hat in a hospital bed. And started from there. Yeah. We ended up um, bringing those I've now, of those 13 survivors, 11 of them have stayed in my house. So it's pretty cool. And I've stayed at their houses yeah. up, up there. And, and um, we've created this really, really unique and cool relationship that now includes an annual Dog Nation scholarship fund to the Humboldt Broncos. And, and our mutual friend who introduced us, Jared Bednar, the head coach of the Colorado Avalanche, yeah. former South Carolina Stingray yeah. uh, when I was growing up, um, he actually played for the Humboldt Broncos he when he was younger. And can you talk a little bit about that relationship and how it's evolved through yeah. helping those guys? Yeah, and I mean, that, that is, that is it, like a lot of people don't realize that, but Jared Bednar introduced you and me. Like, I, and that was uh, over the phone at first and then in person too. He yeah. was there and it was during COVID and he had to be all sneaky about it. So that's a whole <laughs> other story. But Jared, Jared knew I was doing this stuff through the grapevine and I didn't know Jared. But I knew Joe Sackick, and Joe gave my number to Jared, and Jared called me and introduced himself and thanked me for doing this stuff for Humboldt. And I didn't realize it, but but I didn't know he was a Humboldt Bronco until mm -hmm. that phone call. And and uh, we talked for a long time that very first phone call, and he then shared with me that one of the young men that was I'd, I'd been talking quite a bit to Ryan, and I was bringing Ryan here, and he said. Jared said, you know, there's another kid that was paralyzed in the accident. Would you consider bringing him as well? And I said, of course I would. Turned out it was the son of Jared's childhood lifelong friend. And his name was Jacob Wasserman. And so Jacob Wasserman um, was paralyzed as well. And I brought both of those young men down. And that created this bond with Jared that exists today and, and actually ended up um, going all the way to the South Carolina Stingrays this summer. Like, yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I was going to bring that up too, just yeah. the hockey world is a small world. Yeah. And so you ended up getting uh, requests for assistance from my hometown, Charleston, South Carolina, yeah. home rink, Carolina Ice Palace, for a player in need there, and they found Dog Nation. They did, yeah. That was a, another kind of small world story. One of our, our players out here, Andrew Persey, his brother Mark Persey, has recently moved to Charleston and playing in the beer leagues there and heard about it and and Mark of course knows me because he plays a dog ball he said do you guys ever go outside of Colorado oh, of course and I said we do yeah we're in all the way up to Canada like he just mentioned and and he said well there's this guy here in South Carolina I think we can help him and through your help and Jared's help and Mark's work in that community within one week incredibly we were able to to hand that family because he was he was nearing the end and we wanted to be able to do something so we had time it was of the essence on this one and sure enough um we were able to go to his house and the carolina stingrays went to his house and we get and uh, a jersey was there for him and his family and and uh, they stayed up all night listening to music not all night but well into the night listening to music and different things and just some beautiful photos and we're able to give um him and his uh, soon to be widow after that a really nice check yeah. and that only happens when when things like that rally and it was it was really cool yeah yeah i mean i just love the element of the hockey community and how it's sort of generosity and communal nature can travel so far and you know you guys put on tremendous events um, everything from golf tournaments to cornhole tournaments to comedy nights uh, and many more, but your signature event is the Dog Bowl. Yeah. Uh, let's hear about that. Yeah, that, that um, started when we first said, let's start a, a non-profit, and, and it literally was a table like we're sitting at here, and a kitchen table, and my goalie, my left wing, right defenseman, all threw $100, literally threw $100 on the table. It looked like we were playing poker, and, and um, they looked at me and said, you're a CPA, figure out how to be a 501c3. And we then literally put a tournament on three months later. And it was uh, that first tournament, believe it or not, raised 24000 And wow. it had some things in it that were amazing. Like today, I don't even know what it would go for. But we had a game used signed Alex Ovechkin helmet in that. Like wow. really amazing stuff happened right off the bat. Like right off the bat. And we, 
we were able to help three families at that and um that dog ball has just grown and grown and grown and as far as now it's it's really too big we can, we have to cap it pretty early and it'll sell out within a couple of days and this year um we thought originally boy if this thing made a hundred thousand dollars it'd be pretty amazing and um and last year we thought boy it can't be much better than that and it did two hundred twenty-five thousand. Wow. and that's from just donations throughout the weekend the auction the barbecues all these different revenue streams putting the unionized business hat on like yeah. where else can you monetize this but also not take advantage of people like make them feel good about it at the same time and this year when we we started tallying up the the receipts it was at right around three hundred thousand wow. dollars for for a t hockey tournament i can't imagine there's many others in the whole nation that that do that yeah I mean, yeah i mean it's a big tournament it's just a it's a, you know many day affair yeah. and um, just the whole sort of vibe in the air when I've been is just really positive. You know, you don't, not all sporting events have that, you know, especially yeah. like when you go to youth hockey tournaments that are often, Edgy. you know, yeah, and they have parents that are way too into it and stuff like that. So the great thing about going to a Dog Nation tournament is just everyone's there for a good reason, to have some fun, mm -hmm. to make some money for the cause. Uh, and I think the fact that you're able to provide this really great uh, experience for the people participating while also raising all this money is just uh, you know yeah. it says a lot yeah and what we've done in the last few years and we we've had it for a while but what makes me really proud is and I did get a moment to talk to the NHL about this when I was down there um, in Nashville and that was uh, like their mantras hockey is for everyone and during our tournament we kicked the tournament off with special hockey which is kids with and adults with uh, uh, you know, special needs, and they they played, and they are the happiest hockey players in the world. Some are pretty dang good players too. And we had kids sled hockey, and we had B level sled hockey, and we had the very top players in the world playing, and in an A level slot hockey game, to see, so people can see that. And in addition to that, what people can't even believe that they have, but we even had blind hockey. Yeah. So that's all mixed in throughout the weekend, and at the same time, you got regular world class players there too. And one of the coolest parts about that is people are then exposed to those things, knowing they exist, seeing the opportunities. I mean, I know many people have told me the first time they saw sled hockey was at the Dog Bowl. And mm. for, for those uninitiated, can you tell us what sled hockey is? Yeah, so it's a, basically a, a sport, hockey is for everyone, where, where the participants um, either have limited use of their, their legs or... Um, or don't have legs or or paralyzed and allows them to still play so they they sit in a in a sled and they propel themselves with not one hockey stick but two shorter sticks with spikes on the end and that allows them to travel around the rink and and uh honestly the best players in the world are incredible they're they can play with regular players and they do i put them on my teams when i yeah. play in tournaments and and they're I'm worse than they are for sure. Yeah. And it's uh, so it's, but those are the best players in the world. And, and where what we also want to make sure is that everyone can play because some of the people that play sled hockey, they don't even have the cognitive ability or physical ability to propel themselves. So they have something called a pusher and it has a handle behind their, their um, sleds and someone actually takes them to the areas of the ice to, and they can still play. So it's a really powerful thing to see. Yeah, no, absolutely, and such an incredible sport, sled hockey, that's mm -hmm. brought so much to so many. I mean, I've personally, mostly through you, have met veterans or people that have been through major traumas that mm -hmm. weren't, didn't have the energy to go on, but then they found sled hockey. Yeah, You know, we've talked about a few different things like that and people that we've met, and uh, it's just incredible the power of sport. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think especially team sport. Um, and what that can do for someone that's just really had it tough and yeah. providing them a chance to, quote, feel normal again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It's a great sport on that. And then same thing with the blind hockey now that we've got to know those guys a lot too. It's, uh, and I take that a little bit further. I, um, so I actually played with those guys and wore um, glasses that put me on par with them. And it was, uh, it's eye-opening, I guess, so to speak. <laughs> no pun intended, but it's a... Uh, pretty amazing to to put yourself in their shoes which I want to do yeah. and I have tried sled and 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 I've been terrible at it but um, 
honestly, my dream would be to have a place where you and I would be on a sled team. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea, and I know our mutual friend Jerry Duvall has certainly invited me out. I need to take him up on that. Yeah, you should. Um, you know, and I've gotten the chance to meet some of these best players in the world, like Declan Farmer, Malik Jones, through mm-hmm. you, and it's really been incredible to see them rally around what you're doing. Yeah, no, they're they're incredible advocates for you and I in our sport because um, uh, none better really than Declan. He's the Wayne Gretzky of sled hockey, but he's also he's perfect. He's like, he's articulate and he's smart and he's educated and he's, he's passionate and, and yeah. humble and he checks literally every yeah. box. We'll have to try to get him on the show soon. Yeah, I, I would definitely put him on the show. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, well, thank you for giving us some more details yeah. on the Dog Bowl. And, you know, I really wanted to congratulate you on recently being a finalist for yeah. the NHL's Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award. Um, you were a finalist this year in 2023. Uh, you went to Nashville where they were doing the NHL awards and the draft, and you got to be sort of part of that. Can you tell me you know, more about that experience, how it came about? Yeah, I mean, you have to be nominated to buy. So there's kind of a nomination process on the NHL website, and that opens up every January or so. And, um, and humbling that for the third straight year I had more nominations than anyone in the world so um, that was pretty cool that people take the time to fill that out and tell tell how you've impacted or Dog Nation has impacted their world to me it was it wasn't my award it was Dog Nation's and it, not that we won the award but to get as far as we did to it was it was a team thing because that's what we are and and um, so that's really what it was and it reached all the way to the finals this year and they did some cool stuff the NHL came out and uh, did a, spent a whole day with me, which ended included a Avs Penguins game with right at center ice with some of the people from the NHL, which was pretty neat. And then, then um, ended up in Nashville, and they put us up in the Grand Hyatt yeah. and and had a great time there, and got to meet all kinds of players. But probably most uh, powerful to me was sit down and not just take a picture, but literally sit down and have a conversation with Willie O'Ree. Yeah, and incredible. pretty pretty neat thing, and and quite an honor. And, yeah. I, and that, for those yeah. listening that aren't familiar with Willie O'Ree, he was the first black player in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And he's eighty-seven years old now, and um, he's still pretty sharp. And um, he was there and and had a nice conversation. We talked a little bit about Peter McNabb because he mm-hmm. Willie played for Peter's dad. Yeah. And so it was a, it was it was a good conversation, and and same time for the hockey fan out there. Spent a little bit of time with Mark Messier and David Pasternak and That's quite awesome. a few other guys. So it was, as you would know, kind of a little jealousy going yeah. on. Yeah, so pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, you got to see some some really yeah. cool people, some really cool stuff. It's kind of, you know, postseason where the whole NHL kind of comes together around the awards and draft. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that was a, a really fun experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was watching. Uh, and I know the NHL made a video about you when they were here, and I got to watch that online. We'll make sure to link to that as well because mm-hmm. it's a great video that gives you sort of a quick glimpse uh, into Dog Nation. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Thank you for doing that. That's, uh, that was fun when they yeah. came out and did that. So, you know, it's been 12 years. The organization has grown significantly. Um, you know, have expanded your footprint across, mm-hmm. you know, the continent really. Uh, what do you hope and envision for the future of Dog Nation? Now, the ultimate goal, and uh, you and I have talked about this for honestly years, but it is a big, big, lofty goal. One that, um, you know, I, I'm positive guy, but it's going to be a tough one to do. But it, it's uh, with guys like like yourself and um, and families throughout Colorado and the Avalanche and the rest of the NHL, for that matter, um, it's possible, and it's to. My, my ultimate goal, and um, if it doesn't happen, it's, it's not like it's going to crush me by any means, but um, would love to build the world's first ever hockey rink from the very first shovel on the ground that is designed for young and old men and women, able-bodied, disabled, blind-sighted, veterans, civilians, literally, literally a place where hockey is for everyone, and designed from the very beginning. And um, uh, when I... You know, goal on that is to get a municipality involved and general contractors and and uh, architects and civil engineers and mechanical engineers all the way up um, from the ground up and create this magical place that not only creates hockey is for everyone but also creates a, a, a perpetual income stream that 
fits our mission of helping others. And yeah. so that's really, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. It sounds like um, that's like just a dream, but as you know, because you've been in these meetings, it's a lot further along than just a dream. Yeah. And a lot of those things that I just mentioned actually have check marks by yeah. them already. And, um, and but it's uh, ideally that would be the perfect, yeah. perfect ending to this story. Yeah, or the perfect next beginning, if you will, yeah. because I see so much growth for the organization once they are able to have that yeah. sort of uh, continual revenue stream where you don't necessarily have to raise tons all the time, yeah. that you have this asset that funds it, and that it also brings people together from all over the hockey community and, you know, I'm sure inspires people to do good in their communities as well. And, yeah, um, yeah I've really enjoyed working on the Rink Project with you. I mean, it's, you know, a really expensive project that we've been trying to raise money for in a really difficult economic time mm -hmm. um, but we've seen all the belief in it we've seen all of the the contractors that have signed up to help um, and all of the various volunteers yeah. uh, you know we we've seen all the plans so yeah it is it's further along than, than maybe it seems but it's it's an expensive endeavor yeah no it would be as you know I mean you're just as passionate about it as I am and have talked as uh, spoke as passionately about it in front of groups as I have and and I know you believe in it, and I know I believe in it, and I know there's lots of others, and um, we're not ready to throw in the towel on this thing yet. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and I'm excited to see sort of where the next iteration of that project yeah. is, but um, I expect us to realize that dream at some point or another. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, Dog Nation is just, uh, it's really become a deep part, I feel like, in the Colorado hockey community, you know, when uh, Bedsy, Jared Bednar, when he introduced us a few years ago, you know, I, I hadn't been playing that much. I've been playing a couple times a year, and it was mm -hmm. kind of sad, and sure. I was kind of sad about it. But, <laughs> like, it's hard when you move somewhere to, to really get back into the hockey community. And then, you know, there's always excuses. You're busy, etc. Yeah. But, you know, I think hanging out with you guys really inspired me to get back in. Having my son inspired me to get back involved, and I know... You know, within the next week or two that we, from us meeting, I went to play pond hockey with you. And that was, you know, my first time on the ice since, you know, at least before COVID, right. you know, at that time. And um, since then, you know, now I'm on the ice two to four times a week. And it just is such a, it's a mental health, um, you know, tool for me. It is uh, fun. Uh, it's a community. And Dog Nation has been a big part of that. I mean, my community in the hockey in hockey in Colorado has yeah. been built, you know, and a foundation of Dog Nation. Oh, so thank, thank you for you. that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, and so I mean, I I think that even people out there that don't understand hockey or aren't big hockey fans, you know, I grew up in South Carolina being a hockey fan, so I always had to kind of fight my battles with <laughs> the, the locals about uh, whether it belonged or not. But it, there's no arguing that it brings people together. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's been, I'm so glad that uh, we were able to get introduced and, and work together. And, yeah. um, you know, you through all of this, you know, I mentioned that you had overlap with your work at Oracle over mm -hmm. about seven years. Um, you still uh, are a tax accountant mm -hmm. as well for a variety of clients. And additionally, uh, you're a youth soccer coach. I was, yeah, all of that at the same time. And, some, yeah. and, and a father and a, and a husband, allegedly, yeah. during that same time period. So... <laughs> Yeah, I look back at that, and I'm not really sure how I did all that. But, yeah. um, and and uh, that was a pretty pretty busy few years there with yeah. no time off at all. And and um, and but back in 2018, really kind of had to make that decision. Do we? And at that point, Dog Nation had given away a million dollars. So you can see what kind of ramp right. we've had since then. And I thought, well. Um, yeah, like, like after that I thought well maybe that was good enough mm. to say that you've given away a million dollars in your lifetime is pretty neat and just finish up my career at Oracle and and, uh, and cash in options and all that other stuff and, and be good at, and uh, that, that could be good but instead Cindy and I choose a, a little bit different path and but a much more rewarding one and that was yeah. to try and change the world and that's what we did in 2018 of Janu January 2018 and now it's been five years and yeah. and um, our life couldn't be more fulfilled yeah yeah it's awesome to hear that and it 
you sort of exemplify some of what I do with the podcast in terms of highlighting innovators and social impact because mm -hmm. people don't understand that whatever it is you are passionate about, you can find ways to help people through it. So, yeah. you know, just throwing someone the idea that there's a hockey organization helping people might seem weird, but then they, they learn. And, mm -hmm. you know, so whoever is listening, I hope they take inspiration from you, whether their passion is music or gardening yeah. or cooking or it's basketball, that they use what they are good at, what they care about, what they're passionate about to create positive experiences for others. Yeah, you're, you're spot on on that because um, I wouldn't have thought that this would have been that big. Like I thought, well, we'll give away five or $10,000 a year and it'd be great. And I didn't realize how big the need was. Yeah. And so there probably is that same need with the tennis community, the cycling community, the cooking community, or yeah. whatever, there you're going to have tragedy in all of those, and yeah. and just taking really a passion and creating just this almost place where people can go to 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 be able to uh, gain strength and confidence, but also uh, like hope. That's really the main thing of this thing that you're not alone, and we hence the. Uh, the amazing survivor game we do every year as part of the dog bowl where you are surrounded by people that are in the same situations and some that have already come out of them and when you think you have no hope at all you've got someone sitting right next to you in your locker room that was in the same place as you five years ago and and they made it and that's uh that's pretty powerful stuff yeah yeah absolutely and you know, you've helped so many families over the years. Um, we've talked about some of the specific people that you've helped. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any story of when you, maybe even first or just sometime that you really saw like, wow, uh, our work is really helping to change things? I think they're just almost endless because I, even this weekend, some of them are really small. Jan Hayda once said to me, he, he's an NHL player, of course, but he's huge, huge part of Dog Nation. And he said, there was a grown man as big as me and Jan's a big man and um, he said we gave him a check for $2,000 and he just broke down and he said it wasn't the $2,000 it was that he felt like he wasn't alone and he was cared for and for me that was that was that was Jan's moment not per se mine but it's a really good perspective on it because um, I have those a lot. Like this weekend on a, on Saturday, I was able to give a little boy his first pair of hockey skates through one of my connections, and I didn't pay for them. But I, it, I with a phone call, I was able to get hold of Center Ice Hockey and the owner there, and the owner there knows me really well. Said, "Let's do this," and and be able to let Center Ice be part of that, yeah. and and me be part of that and the rest of Dog Nation be part of that and see the that little boy's face when he got his first pair of skates and he's a leukemia survivor he didn't think he'd live never mind play hockey again or ever in his life he's eight years old and and the next picture he got from one of one of his moms was a picture of him in the back seat holding the box and he she said that you you told him when he left he has to keep keep good care of him so he didn't even want to put the box on oh. the floor oh. pretty cool yeah that's beautiful yeah yeah so that's definitely one of those moments and um you know you've done we mentioned you've done quite a bit uh over these years some tremendous work has there been anyone through that process that's been a particularly impactful mentor for you I don't really think, I mean, I think there's been a lot of different mentors and, mm. and I've taken ideas from a lot of places, including you, and where where I kind of get, oh, that, that was a neat idea what they did in South Carolina, what Jeffrey told me about. Oh, that, that was cool what they did down in Colorado Springs at this event. And, um, and I would see, I would kind of watch other people. Justin Goldman used to do this, or he, the tournament's still around, but he ran it called the Quest for the Crown. And I would take ideas that he had at that like like he had a a, uh, a program and I was and he had me write something about my team in it. and I was like well that's a neat idea it's really cool to flip up and say so I kind of took that program idea from from that and then someone else was doing fundraisers at one and like a separate type of fundraiser with a contest so I'm like that's a neat idea so we so I kind of would would do that more than anything rather than I would say a, a pure mentor because a lot of stuff that Dog Nation do, does, there's not really a roadmap. 
Yeah. And so it's where a lot of this is we've just kind of figured it out as we've gone along. And certain people will come to me, Bern Levac, when he said, we should do a comedy night. How does that work? Well, let me introduce you to the guy who runs Comedy Works. Sure enough, he comes in and we've been doing it for 13 years now. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, It's an easy cause to sign up for, especially when you get to see or meet any of the people that have benefited from the work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like to give every guest the opportunity to ask me a question. Um, People have asked many times why I've started the podcast. Uh, So if you want to avoid that question, feel free. Yeah, I'm going to avoid that. I saw that in the (laughs) notes and and I thought I was... uh, I go, yeah, I could see people that. But honestly, for me, this is a hockey podcast for me today. And so... um, I think, like you've you've alluded to a little bit, but you are one of the most passionate hockey fans I know, and knowledgeable hockey fans I know, and um, South Carolina, like, and from a Polish background, and like you'd think you would have been a soccer guy from coming from Eastern Europe, and and all this, but you're not. So, tell me why, how you got into hockey, and why the passion for it? Yeah. Um... I think I was first introduced to hockey. I mean, I'd maybe seen the concept before, but when I was probably five or six years old playing uh, NHL 94 on Sega Genesis, um, you know, playing the hockey video games, having a lot of fun with those. I mean, everybody that plays video games or did in those days knows that the hockey games were always fun. Even if you didn't like (laughs) hockey, they were great. And then, you know, minor league team came to town um, in Charleston around the same time. Um, in the early 90s, 93, 94, the South Carolina Stingrays came to Charleston and um, in their second year, my dad had the opportunity to become a minority owner in the wow. team. And, you know, the story goes, I don't know what actually happened exactly, but the story goes that he asked me what I thought of it. And, you know, as a six-year-old or whatever that was playing hockey video games, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, <laughs> and uh, because I guess I was interested in, and he had this cool opportunity, he decided to, to go for it. And um, starting in second grade, I went to pretty much every home game. And so what I've come to realize over my time and over these many years of seeing all different types of hockey and seeing, meeting all the people, I realized that going to all those games, I got to see everything that can possibly happen in a game, you know, by going to these hundreds of games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to sort of learn about the hockey community. I got to just be really deep in it. And then um, in 97, we opened a practice facility in Charleston because uh, the Stingrays would have to travel three hours to Charlotte to practice if the Coliseum was in use. Wow. So that was the the idea. And my dad's hope was to establish a family entertainment destination in addition to it being a practice facility. And so, you know, I grew up in that rink. You know, I, I worked at that rink from before it was open. You know, I mm. uh, rollerbladed in the building when it was an empty home headquarters. Um, and, you know, I've gotten to see it through so much to the point where uh, my business partner, Jeff Tyner, and I shot our own hockey movie there um, over a little over two weeks. Uh, and so it's just, you know, it, it's just always been a huge part of my life. And um, I think it kind of like emboldened me a little bit as a kid being a hockey fan and everyone around me for the most part not being one. I think I kind of liked being the outsider and like having to explain hockey to people or having to defend it to people that were all about football in the South. And so I just I felt galvanized by it. And the thing about hockey that I've told a lot of people and I told people when I recruited a high school hockey team at my little school that only had three yeah. hockey players, you know, hockey is incredibly fun, even if you're not good at it. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't pretend to be great at it. Um, you know, I've played it a long time, really enjoy it. But just getting on the ice and the way you move and it's just like it's a whole different experience and yeah. so that's you know how I got that team filled is I, I got all the the equipment donated and everything and just got them on the ice I was like just get on the ice just try it um, and that that def- tends to hook people as you know and so mm-hmm. um, you know I just I loved following the NHL whether it was in the the newspaper back in the day or being able to look up the stats online and you know my dad used to call me the hockey encyclopedia so I just <laughs> Just always enjoyed it. I don't. I don't even. It's something about it is just hard to even explain. But yeah. um, the speed of it, I think, is a big part of it. It's able to keep my attention, like not many other things. Yeah. Well, you, you, and that's only the tip of the iceberg because you were, you and I had, were similar as little kids, and I, I, you're the only one I think that I've ever met like this. But I was that way, where you would literally go to the rink early and study stats and things like that, oh, yeah. right? And um, <laughs> I, my version was. Um, 
I would listen to the transistor radio and like literally yeah. in my mind have like know what these guys looked like even though I'd never seen them play yeah. and, and um, to go to your first hockey game and see these heroes in your mind was really amazing and, and for you to take that and and literally build a high school team it's pretty incredible and then also to go to college and then work with the all the way up really kind of run a junior team from afar right yeah. I mean tell yeah. us about that because that's pretty amazing too yeah no yeah we had a, a junior C and then eventually junior B team in Charleston running out of the ice palace and um, yeah, I was just always been passionate about the Charleston hockey community, so I was able to run kind of the media and PR and help run the team from afar. It was almost like having a full-time hockey job in college, and mm -hmm. you know, at the time I wanted to work in hockey, so it was a, it was a really cool experience. And um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned getting those games early. I get you know hour and a half early, read the stat package, and hmm. you know, for guys like Jared Bednar, now the coach of the Avalanche, you know, I saw him as the fighter defenseman when I was growing up, and it's it's really cool to see his growth and how that sort of, you know, is representative of a lot of the growth that I've seen in the hockey community in my yeah. years. And, um, yeah, there's not a, there's not a lot of things that personally light me up as much as, as hockey does. And, yeah. um, it's just, there's just something about it. No, no, I agree. And I, yeah, it's, and you've turned it into quite a packed state of passion. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's neat. Well, thanks for sharing all that. That was, oh. uh, yeah. And, um, sharing with the, your guests too. Cause, um, there, you talk to Jeff and you want to ask a hockey question, just got to ask. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I would welcome more hockey questions from future guests. Yeah. Um, I've just got a couple more for you. So aside from family, if everything were to end tomorrow, however you want to explain that, mm -hmm. uh, what are you either most proud of or most grateful for? Well, um, probably just having, I mean, grateful for just having a loving family. I mean, my best friend's my brother and almost lost him to a heart, heart attack a couple of years ago. And he now, he skated this year's Survivor game with somebody else's heart in his chest and pretty powerful and cool. And then now we've got to meet that family and I got to surprise my brother two weeks ago with that family at the Survivor game. And um, he had no idea I had 18 people coming. Wow, and, that's amazing. And no one in the arena knew. So it was quite that. a surprise to pull that off. But... But just, just um, grateful for having a family that's supportive, especially my wife, that a lot of them, like 2000, January 2018, when I sat down with her, I mean, not a lot of spouses would say, you know what, give up a, a, a very high-paying job, lucrative, very safe job that really puts our family with no financial worries forever and throw that away to follow a dream there's not many people I don't think that would say do that and and be okay with that and she was so incredibly lucky there and she's to this day is a major part of Dog Nation every event you'll see her in, in volunteering hours and hours and hours and hours so, and I see that at home when it's midnight and she's working on a uh, she works 50 hours a week at a regular job and it's midnight and she's put, making sure all the auction items are in so pretty I mean, that, that's probably what I'm most grateful for because I don't think I could do it without. In fact, I know I couldn't. And then for memory, like, um, honestly, to, to just be remembered as a good person and that, that you put others in front of yourself because that's the example that you want your family to see. But I think it's the example that anybody would want, like, like that. Uh, that and and uh, Dog Nation's given me the opportunity to do that over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Well... I have this one big question I ask guests uh, toward the end of every episode. If you could snap your fingers and fix one thing in the world, what would it be, wow. and how do you think that change would reverberate? Wow, that's a, um, the biggest, I think the worst trait that people have is jealousy. And if you, and I think it's the, um, it's the root of a lot of challenges in this world. And, and if you, if you could get rid of that, I think there would be much more compassion for others, yeah. and and uh, not so much about yourself. And I, I, I remember re way back when, and I was a competitive guy. I was a college athlete, and your job was was to be a soccer player or whatever. And there was always 
four or five people wanting your job, especially if you were a starter. So there was jealousy there and there was yeah. fight there. And But I remember training with a guy named Paul Benning and I still, still a friend of mine today. And he played uh, University of Southern Illinois D1 program, really good player. And we used to train in the off season together when he, he's in Colorado before he would go back. And um, it was just him and I. And I remember him telling me one day, and it's always, I've always remembered it. And every time I see him, we talk about it over a beer, but he lives down in Arizona now. And it's, um, there's a, enough success to go around. Yeah. And that came from a 19 year old kid. And I was 20, I was one year older than him. And I thought, yeah, Paul's right. And Paul's become incredibly successful in his life. And, um, and he's really proud of me and vice versa. Yeah. And I don't know, I think that's, I think there is enough success to go around. Yeah. No, I really love that sentiment yeah. um, because in this divisive world that we live in, like people want, they want to take things from others and they want to quote win mm -hmm. in whether it's business or otherwise. And for me, it's just, it's always been about mutual benefit. Let's all have success. There's yeah. plenty of pie to go around. And mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's really good to hear how that, you know, influenced you over yeah. the years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure many people listening have enjoyed themselves and are inspired. Mm -hmm. How can people support you and your impact in Dog Nation? Yeah, I mean, uh, lots of ways, but um, really best is just go to dognation.org. That's it. And we, we don't know how to spell there, so it's D-A-W-G. And um, it's, it's uh, read some of the stories on there. Look, watch some of the videos on there. There's ways to volunteer. There's ways to donate. There's ways to sponsor. There's ways to participate. And and um, we have a lot of events whether they're they're mostly hockey related but they're as you mentioned comedy there's golf there's there's um even most recently um mental awareness night and where uh all of these are really important and and um come to those and get moved and and, and don't have to donate by any means but if you do and you're, you want a t-shirt that that uh, supports the cause uh, we grew this whole thing with no marketing budget and um, it's all just out of kindness and and people being moved and that's really the best thing to do in my eyes rather than, than force feed it and come and I'd be moved. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sure people will ch be checking out the site and other opportunities and thanks again so much for your time yeah. and for all the awesome work that you do and uh, yeah, look forward to continuing our conversation. Yeah, thank you, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of People Are The Answer. If you enjoyed the episode, share it with friends and reviews or subscriptions on your favorite platforms go a long way to help the show grow. I want to share these incredible people and their remarkable work with as many others as possible. Thanks for your support. For more, go to peoplearetheanswer.com.